Welcome to SocialCast, the podcast where we talk about the crippling societal problems America has been grappling with for decades and the solutions to those problems that socialism offers. SocialCast publishes new episodes every Thursday, so make sure to add us to your podcast library to be notified of new content. SocialCast is also on social media. Follow at SocialCast Podcast on Facebook and at SocialCast Pod on Twitter to become part of the conversation. Hey there. Welcome to SocialCast. My name is Derek, and I've spent the last three weeks tunneling out of my room with a spoon to bring you today's inaugural episode. Here on SocialCast, we're going to be building a body of work wherein each episode builds on the episodes before it. Since this is our very first episode, I want to take some time to talk about socialism, the history of socialism, what socialism is, what socialism is not, and some of the socialist programs American citizens already benefit from. In today's episode, I'm going to highlight a lot of information about various topics. All of this will be explored in much greater depth in future episodes, so if you want more information about housing, the economic impetus of crime, or food insecurity, don't worry, I've got you covered. To start with, let's talk about what socialism is. Socialism is a political and economic theory of organization that says community or government ownership of the means of production leads to a more egalitarian or equal society. Under socialism, cooperation prevails over competition, and everyone is given the things basic to survival, chiefly shelter, food, health care, and education. Self-determination still plays a role within socialist societies, insofar as citizens can choose their own career path, choose the things they want to spend their money on, and build the life they want for themselves and their families. Most importantly, under socialism, the wealth being generated by the working class is retained within that group, instead of flowing to the top and allowing people to become millionaires, or worse, billionaires, like we see under capitalism. While socialism is both a political and economic theory, it can absolutely be stripped of its political implications and combined with other political philosophies. On SocialCast, we'll be focusing specifically on democratic socialism, the dominant form of socialism in a number of European countries, and the one most compatible with American democracy. Throughout history, there have been many different presentations of socialism. It started in 360 BC when Plato wrote The Republic, the first historical record of socialism. In it, he advocated for an organizational system in which everyone is assigned a job according to their ability, and everyone is given the things they need to survive. Now, Plato was born into the Grecian aristocracy, and he had some pretty wild notions about social organization. In The Republic, Plato advocated for two social castes, the governors and the governed. Which class you belonged to was a matter of birth, with the established aristocrats continuing to rule over the working class. Obviously, this kind of socialism wouldn't work in America, where we tend to appreciate elected representation. In 1516, Sir Thomas More wrote Utopia, expanding upon the ideas that Plato had first established almost 2,000 years prior. In Utopia, More, who was later canonized by the Catholic Church, described an idealistic society in which everyone was granted shelter, clothing, food, and medicine, and everyone provided care for the young and the elderly. All goods were stored in warehouses, and people simply needed to ask for what they required. 
There were no locks on the doors, and houses were rotated amongst the population every ten years to discourage feelings of ownership. Everyone was taught to farm, which they did for two years. They were also expected to learn a secondary trade necessary to the survival of society. All citizens of able body were expected to work, and this led to varying workdays where more people meant shorter shifts. There were, of course, downsides to Moore's utopian vision. Meals were taken communally, and privacy was looked at poorly. See, the society in Utopia relied on everyone being in public view as often as possible to maintain their behavior. Slavery was the most common punishment for crime in Utopia, and it was the goal of war as Utopians abhorred bloodshed in every regard and only resorted to it when there was no other option. There were several religions on the island as well, and religious freedom was the norm. Atheists, however, were looked at with suspicion, as without the threat of punishment or reward in an afterlife, they were thought to be willing to break laws for personal gain. In 1848, Karl Marx published the Communist Manifesto, a treatise about the march of progress within industrialized societies. Marx was a German political revolutionary, philosopher, sociologist, and economist, and the manifesto was commissioned by the Communist League in London. Marx thought that class warfare was the only way to achieve economic and social equality, as the social order under capitalism is hallmarked by a struggle between the bourgeoisie and the proletariat. He claimed that this relationship, being exploitative of the proletariat in nature, was unsustainable long-term, and that the workers would need to organize and overthrow the capitalist class. In the Communist Manifesto, Marx furthered the idea of G.W.F. Hegel, that history is a process in which the world becomes conscious of itself as spirit, refining it to posit that the history of mankind is a process of man becoming conscious of himself as spirit. He suggested that, as man became more aware of himself, he is increasingly made to feel more alienated from himself by participation in capitalism. In this regard, Marx's proposed revolution embraced socialism, but took it to its logical extreme in advocating for communism. Of course, Marx's theory of communist revolution and organization must be looked at through the proper historical lens. At the time, in mid-19th century, England, France, and Germany, the Industrial Revolution had created a permanent underclass of workers who had no resources, no protections, no representation, who lived in poverty and worked in horrendous conditions. Marx saw socialism as the realization of mankind's potential, characterized by true freedom instead of the false freedom capitalism offers. In 1966, television audiences were first introduced to the universe of Star Trek. Gene Roddenberry created an entire society wherein everyone was given shelter, food, clothing, entertainment, everything they needed not only to survive, but to thrive. This universe embraced equality, both of gender and ethnicity, and depicted it on screen for the first time in history. Everyone was offered free medicine and education, and Star Trek showed an audience that was struggling with integration and war that we could achieve peace and prosperity through cooperation. It stands to this day as one of the purest depictions of a socialist society, and they managed to do it without ever explicitly saying that it was socialism. In order to discuss the most well-known socialist ever, we need to bounce back in history just a bit. 
Throughout the Bible, there are numerous examples of Jesus advocating the socialist principles Plato laid down almost four centuries prior, but here are five. In Luke chapter 12, Jesus tells the parable of a man who had a harvest he could not consume. The man built a warehouse to store his abundance. Jesus cried that God thought this man was a fool, for it would have been better for him to share his harvest with people who had none. In the book of James chapter 5, we find Jesus saying to a crowd, Now listen, you rich people, weep and wail because of the misery that is coming on you. Your wealth has rotted, and moths have eaten your clothes. Your gold and silver are corroded, and their corrosion will testify against you and eat your flesh like fire. Back in the book of Luke, chapter 14, verses 13 and 14, Jesus says, But when you give a feast, invite the poor, the maimed, the lame, the blind, and you will be blessed, because they cannot repay you. You will be repaid at the resurrection of the just. Matthew chapter 19 verse 23 finds Jesus saying that it will be hard for a rich man to get into heaven. And Proverbs chapter 22 verse 16 says that he who oppresses the poor to increase his wealth and he who gives gifts to the rich both come to poverty. As you can see, socialism has been advocated by many kinds of people at numerous points in human history. Now that we've learned a bit about what socialism is, let's talk about what socialism is not. Socialism isn't the great nebulous evil that many Americans have been taught to think it is. Instead, it's an economic system that can be, and has been to a limited extent, implemented in the United States to alleviate the crushing burdens of extreme wealth inequality, houselessness, food insecurity, and numerous other societal ailments. Socialism, as demonstrated by the various people who have championed it throughout history, is not a single cohesive philosophy. Instead, socialism can be adapted however it needs to be in order to best fit the society it's being applied to. Socialism is not communism, nor is it simply a step towards it. Communism is socialism combined with an authoritarian or totalitarian government. We've seen examples of socialism paired with various political ideologies throughout history, from the best, the Scandinavian nations with strong social supports and capitalist economies, to the worst, with Adolf Hitler, Pol Pot, and Joseph Stalin. Socialism is also not a recipe for failure. Certainly, we've seen communist dictatorships come and go throughout history, especially modern history, but socialist principles and programs are prevalent in many European nations and are even utilized here in the United States. Socialism is just as viable an economic strategy as the unfettered capitalism we currently have in the U.S., but it's infinitely more sustainable and it doesn't leave any citizens in the margins. To discuss socialism, it is vital to discuss capitalism in America today and the ways that we can see capitalism working. Houselessness, food insecurity, drug addiction, theft and robbery, people dying of preventable or treatable illnesses and injuries, all of these are side effects of unrestrained capitalism. When capitalists are allowed to run amok, what we end up with is what Marx wrote about almost 200 years ago a permanent working underclass that has no resources of their own, is not represented in government, and who live their lives in poverty. 
The only difference between Industrial Revolution Europe and modern-day America is that the capitalists have gotten better at making us think that we have everything we deserve and that anyone asking for more is being selfish. Capitalists are giving us crumbs while telling us that we're feasting, despite the fact that we can see the abundance of their tables. Amazon is the perfect example of how capitalism can go very wrong very quickly. Jeff Bezos is the world's richest person, with an estimated personal fortune of over $200 billion. But let's contextualize that a bit. The average American citizen's income is $31,262, according to the Bureau of Labor and Statistics. In contrast to that, Mississippi has the lowest living wage in the country, and you'd need $58,321 a year to live there. That's almost double the average wage in this country. Across America, we spend about $115 billion on our police forces, we spend another $182 billion on our correction system. Jeff Bezos could fund either system and have enough money left over to live comfortably in Mississippi for 342,929 lifetimes. Meanwhile, according to a report issued by New Food Economy, Amazon employees need SNAP benefits to eat. Depending on which state you're looking at Amazon operating in, Amazon workers collect SNAP benefits at a rate as low as 1 in 10, or as high as 1 in 3. And this is just one of the ways large employers directly disenfranchise workers. When we start looking at the national economic climate, things get a lot starker. Annually, the federal government collects about $3.2 trillion in taxes. These can be broken down into three categories, individual, payroll, and corporate. The individual income tax is collected at an average rate of 47%. Payroll taxes, which fund Social Security and Medicare exclusively, are collected at a rate of 34%. Then there are corporate taxes. The corporate tax rate has been slashed to 11% since the Tax Cuts and Jobs Act of 2017 was passed. Let's take an even closer look at those numbers, though. In 2020, the estimated gross income for all American citizens is $10.7 trillion. The tax burden of that, looking at both individual and payroll tax burdens, is $4.3 trillion. That's a lot of money. And where does it all go? Well, Medicare gets the biggest share at around $1 trillion, followed by Social Security at $900 billion. This makes sense, since payroll taxes exist solely to fund these two programs. After that, though, things get questionable, to say the least. We spend about $600 billion a year on military, $700 billion in other expenditures between mandatory and discretionary spending, a little more than $200 billion on paying off the national debt, $100 billion on SNAP benefits, less than $75 billion on education, approximately $60 billion on housing, $40 billion on international affairs, $40 billion on energy and environment, $35 billion on unemployment, and around $25 billion on transportation. The rest goes to paying the president, all living former presidents, the vice president, all living former vice presidents, Congress, and the rest of the federal staff. So while the biggest expenditures are Social Security and Medicare, 
the average American sees very little benefit from their tax burden, which is one of the largest in the world that doesn't provide common things like universal health care. But there's another darker truth hiding in those numbers. For the average American citizen, profit doesn't exist. The definition of profit is financial gain, the difference between the amount of money earned and the amount of money spent. And while it's true that some of us have modest savings accounts, the vast majority of American citizens live paycheck to paycheck. 65.1% of Americans own their homes, but for the remaining 34.9% of us, paying rent is an obstacle to building wealth. While the average property tax burden for 2020 in the United States is $3,498, renters find themselves paying more than $1,000 a month for a one-bedroom apartment. If they have a family and need more bedrooms, we know the cost for rentals skyrockets. But rental data isn't collected for houses, so we can't say by how much. Meanwhile, corporations, who have that sweet 11% taxation rate, are headed towards over $2 trillion in profit in 2020. Remember, profit is what's left over after you pay everything that needs paying. So here we have these corporations paying the smallest amount of tax and making the most money, all while exploiting their workers and leaving them to collect SNAP benefits and live on public housing subsidies. That seems totally fair, doesn't it? Here's the thing. Socialists don't want free stuff. We just want the things our taxes should already be paying for. We want an economic environment that doesn't allow people to hoard billions of dollars in wealth while more than half a million people are houseless and 15 million households struggle with food security. And right now, seven months into a global pandemic that has shaken the American economy to its core, I think we're all infinitely more aware of how close most of us are to losing everything at any point in time. We've been seeing for months, since states first started placing restrictions on the economy, that most of us are only a paycheck or two away from being unhoused ourselves. And while our fear of that is perfectly reasonable, I've got to wonder why we allow this system to continue. See, some of us may have experienced houselessness before, but for most Americans, it's a situation we never imagined we'd find ourselves in. We're afraid of becoming houseless for numerous reasons. We have concerns about safety, health, hygiene, and food. But we also know how other people will see us if we end up unhoused. We know how they'll look at us because that's how we look at houseless people now. Something's got to change. And it's clear that our representatives aren't going to change it for us. So it's up to us. But how do we do it? We know that most folks view socialism as bad, but it's clear they don't really understand what socialism is. We've been taught to fear socialism and communism jointly as the destroyers of countries. But we also know that America has socialist programs in place already. And some of those programs even work within our capitalist economy. Social Security, Disability, Medicare and Medicaid, SNAP and WIC benefits, fire departments, the interstate highway system, libraries, housing subsidies, and the Postal Service are all examples of socialism overseen by the United States government. Health insurance, homeowners and renters insurance, automobile insurance, and any other kind of imaginable insurance are socialist concepts that function from within capitalism, wherein everyone pays to participate in the program even if they're not regularly or actively accessing the benefits of that system. 
By breaking down the myths around socialism, we can make socialism more understandable and accessible to average American folks. And that's our goal here at SocialCast. We hope that through a simple, straightforward explanation of the unsustainable realities of capitalism and the balm that socialism offers to every American, we can start having more meaningful conversations about how to heal our country. That's today's show. Come back next Thursday when I'll be discussing the Overton window, how our two-party system has become a two-branch single-party system, and why leftist proposals seem so radical to America while they're centrist in other democratic countries. Have a great week, and take good care of each other. It's the socialist way, after all.